Hello, my name's Ian Forth. Welcome to Sombrero Fallout, where we listen to alternative music through the lens of intriguing themes. Again, welcome back, welcome to the programme, welcome to Sombrero Fallout. Quite a lot's happened uh, since I was last with you. If you're listening to this programme in the future, we've got a new president-elect. I assume we've got a new president as well. In America, that is. So, good luck to him and to the new lady vice-president as well. First time, congratulations. All good on the other side of the pond, all good in Melbourne as well as it happens. We've had eight so-called donut days in a row now. Uh, no new cases and no deaths from uh, the coronavirus. So we're all very pleased about that. Uh, but of course, all around the world, lots of other people still suffering, still in lockdown and so on. And uh, we dedicate this program as we do so many to you who might be struggling through these times. And I hope we can cheer you up a bit. I thought on this episode what we might do, something I've had in mind for quite a long time. Uh, in the early 70s in the West Indies, in Jamaica in particular, a form of music sprung up called dub. It's a variant of reggae. Uh, and one interesting effect was that uh, it had a big influence on the musicians of the post-punk era from the late 70s into the early 80s. So we're going to be having a listen to some classic dub tracks and some classic post-punk dub-inflected tracks as well we'll be hearing from, amongst others, uh, Lee Scratch Perry, The Clash, A Certain Ratio, Jar Shaka, Joy Division, Keith Hudson, Young Marble Giants, Horace Andy, Public Image, Pylon, King Tubby, Vivian Goldman, and the television personalities. To kick us off tonight last of this. Calling the meek and the humble, welcome to Blackboard Jungle. So don't you fumble, just be humble.
That's Black Panther by Lee Scratch Perry from the album Johnny Greenwood is the Controller from the early 70s. And a lot of you, some of you anyway, might well be saying, I don't know anything about dub. What is this of which you speak? So I thought uh, I might take this opportunity just to fill you in on a little bit of background, if you're not familiar with what dub music actually is, for those who are, put the kettle on for the next couple of minutes. Dub is a genre of electronic music that grew out of reggae in the late 1960s and early 1970s. It's commonly considered a sub-genre, though it has developed to extend beyond the scope of reggae. The style consists predominantly of partly or completely instrumental remixes of existing recordings and is achieved by significantly manipulating and reshaping the recordings, usually through the removal of some or all of the vocals. Emphasis of the rhythm section, the stripped-down drum and, ba- drum and bass track is sometimes referred to as a lidim. The application of studio effects such as echo and reverb and the occasional dumbing of vocal or instrumental snippets from the original version or other works. It was an early form of popular electronic music. Dub was pioneered by recording engineers and producers such as Osborne King Tubby Ruddock, Lee Scratch Perry, Errol Thompson and others. Dub has influenced many genres of music, uh, specifically including rock, most significantly the subgenre of post-punk. It's also influenced a whole lot of other things such as hip-hop, techno, ambient, electronic, trip-hop and so forth. But we're looking at the link tonight between that early 70s uh, sound and post-punk as we know it from the uh, late 70s and early 80s. One of the most profoundly influenced uh, of those bands in England were these fellows. No supper tonight. A lot of people won't get no justice tonight. And the battle is getting hard in this Irish Armageddon People won't get no justice tonight. Remember to kick it off. No one will guide you. Christmas. 
wanna get long I saw for tonight A lot of people sitting down By the light A lot of people wanna get long I saw for tonight A lot of people wanna get long I just this tonight From 1979, that's Armageddon Time by The Clash, the B-side of uh, London Calling. And we've got The Clash to thank in many ways uh, for bridging the gap, probably being the, the primary uh, bridger of gaps uh, between dub culture and the musical scene, particularly in London uh, at the time. Interesting little little historical footnote there. You might hear as that uh, record is coming to the 2 minute 28 mark Joe Strummer shout out um, okay okay don't push us when we're hot what had actually happened was they decided beforehand that 2 minutes and 28 seconds was the perfect length for a signal single and they got their uh, friend to shout out cut it uh, when we get to that uh, point but then Joe Strummer on the spur of the moment had decided to carry on and as it says here, the pre-planned interruption ended up adding to the charm of the recording, which uh, indeed I think it does. Okay, now, um, I mentioned uh, earlier uh, Lee Scratch Perry was a pioneer and we played a track from him. Uh, probably the fellow who came up with the very first specifically designed dub album uh, was this chap. funny actually just while that record was playing I got a phone call from work about a zoom call 
which I was going to be left in sole charge of with the client uh, later this evening. As a result of the call, they concluded I was not to be trusted, and they're going to send some, put someone specially on so that I make sure I hit record. I think that's very wise. Although I have mastered podcastery, so, you know, come on. Hmm, I can manage, you know. Just not very well. That was Michael Talbot Affair by Keith Hudson. And Keith Hudson was a big favourite of Ian Curtis of Joy Division. In the second John Peel session that New Order did, two years after the death of Ian, uh, they recorded a version of Turn the Heater On by Keith Hudson uh, as a tribute to Ian. Very good too. It's not easily found, uh, actually, when you 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 can find it if you really try, but uh, I don't think it's in the usual outlets. uh, It's it's very nice. The last time that New Order ever really did something uh, along those lines, I would say. Now, now, sounded a bit Australian, that, didn't it? Now, no. Dub influenced post-punk in in many different ways. Yes, it did. And uh, not all post-punk influenced dub songs, as it were, sound uh, the same by by any means. Here's a very different uh, bedroom dub sound, if you like, particularly in the uh, timbre of the bass. See what you think. So that was Young Marble Giants from their album Colossal Youth from 1980 and Searching for Mr. Wright. And perhaps if we're looking for one key distinction uh, between the guitar-driven music that occurred before punk in rock music and the dub influence that came after in post-punk, it's a sense of space, uh, a sense of, um, well, just that really space 
whereas rock music was always really intended to go faster than the human heartbeat and to, to make you feel as if things are really exciting and slightly out of control. Uh, dub strips it all the way back and because of reggae's uh, rhythms uh, provides a very different interpretation of what rock music could actually be. Very interesting little decade between, say, 70, 78 and 1981, sometimes referred to as a kind of three or four year decade in and of itself, uh, where many different forms evolved and mutated. Uh, and another different form was uh, to be found in the following group, who combined uh, the influence of dub with other influences as well, such as uh, percussion and funk and an, an industrial noise. And uh, here is their very first single. by a certain ratio, their first single, as I say, and uh, assume, until told otherwise, that the post-punk singles are from around 1979, 1980-ish, and that the uh, original dub songs are from, yeah, broadly speaking, the early 70s. And then I won't have to, I won't have to sweat about getting the exact year right. I think that's probably good enough tonight. He, here's an artist who later on collaborated with Massive Attack, um, performing in their own right. Indeed, from that early 70s period. <laughs> I 
was Graveyard by Public Image Limited from their album Metal Box, uh, released in 1979, when it was, I believe, album of the year in NME. No, it wasn't. It was in the top three, though, along with Unknown Pleasures and I think Fear of Music by Talking Heads was number one. Okay, that noise in the background you can hear is, is Toby on his hind legs, uh, licking his bowl in his bailey chair. Now he's come down again. Thanks for that, Toby. Oh, now he's spluttering. One of the, uh, one of the high points, according to Simon Reynolds in his book, Rip It Up, the definitive um, account of the post-punk era, one of the two great albums of the post-punk era, along with Closer by Joy Division, and we'll be hearing a track from that before the end of the evening. Before that, you heard Spying Glass by Horace Andy uh, from his album, which I'm just going to get up here, called Dance Hall Style. Now, you might uh, also be thinking to yourself, Ian, <coughs> what was happening in America? Were bands um, over stateside influenced by dub music to the same extent? I think the answer is possibly not to exactly the same extent. But there was one pioneering group in uh, Athens, Georgia, and Georgia's been very much in the headlines this week, um, who did uh, encompass dub within the framework of what they were offering. Uh, and here's an example of it.
That's cool from Pylon making their debut on the program from 1980, an early single from them, maybe even their first, I believe. Uh, I hope you'll indulge me for just a moment if I give a little shout out to some people who've been nice and active on Friends of Sombrero Fallout, posting all sorts of good stuff. This is not by any means an exclusive list, but some people who've uh, bobbed the top of my mental salience recently and posted some great stuff are Ian Moore, David Hughes, uh, Eric Gagnon-Poulin, Connor Tonra. By the way, David Hughes, new to the forum and uh, quite prolific, which is fantastic. Luke Finley and um, old local friends from just over the border, Joanne Francis and Mark O'Neill. And when I say just over the border, the border that separates more or less Surrey Hills from Burwood, which won't mean a great deal to most of you out there. And a couple more mentions, one for Mary Jones and another for David Murray Milne. Thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it. I mentioned uh, earlier Lee Perry as one of the great innovators. And here's another, King Tubby, uh, of dub, that is, uh, with his band King Tubby and the Aggravators. <laughs> Zion Gate by Augustus Pablo, one of the pioneers of the dub system. Next, we're going to hear from a woman who rather like uh, that Woody Allen film Zelig, or Zelig, always seem to be popping up in musical history, uh, just on the fringes, but uh, always there or thereabouts. She didn't have a long musical career, uh, but uh, the music she did come up with was uh, clearly highly influenced by by dub and uh, here's uh, here's an example mm-hmm. 
That's uh, Laundrette by Vivian Goldman, and I remember as a, as a lovable nerd from that era, that era being 1980, 1981, uh, avidly reading The Enemy, more or less from cover to cover. I didn't always have a great deal else to do during the week. Well, before I started university in that uh, funny little gap year time, and uh, I do remember Vivian Goldman being a, a journalist on The Enemy in no doubt I read a lot of her features. I can't quite remember her style. But I've looked at uh, that um, laundrette track, by the way, was produced by John Lydon and Adrian Sherwood. So you begin to get a, an example there of the sort of circles that she frequently moved in. She wrote not only for The Enemy, but for Sounds and Melody Maker about reggae and punk and post-punk. She was also a member of the Flying Lizards. Remember that song, Money? Uh, she shared a flat with Chrissy Hind. She's listed in the writing credits uh, for Massive Attack. She was Bob Marley's first UK publicist. She was Kid Creole's biographer. And what's she doing now? She's adjunct professor and documentarian of punk and reggae at New York University. Hmm. Sounds like the sort of career I would have liked, but uh, here I am with you, which is just as lovable and just as great. Next track. <laughs> Thank you. 
The great difference between Joy Division Live and Joy Division in the studio was the sense of space that uh, Martin Hannett, their producer, created. And Martin Hannett was uh, very influenced by dub music, as I think you can hear from the crashing reverb on that track, The Eternal, from their uh, second and final uh, album, at any rate, while they were still an ongoing concern. Uh, other tracks came later, Closer, and that was the penultimate track there. Actually, on the album and on tonight's show, coincidentally. And before that, you heard, um, I, I thought there was quite a nice little segue there, um, particularly with a song called Claps Like Thunder, which uh, could easily have been the title of the Joy Division song as well. That was Jar Shaka, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, with The Mad Professor. Didn't want to leave us uh, on too introspective or downbeat a mood. Uh, so here's something a little bit jollier. Stein painting uh, a case of form and content in perfect harmony there. It sounded rather like a, a Roy Lichtenstein painting. That track from Television Personalities from their 1982 album, which I think was the, uh, the latest track uh, we played on, on tonight's edition of Sombrero Fallout from their album Mummy You're Not Watching Me. And I would have to point out that your is spelt incorrectly. Y-O-U-R rather than Y-O-U apostrophe R-E in the title. Uh... Which uh, 
adds itself, I suppose, to a list of those uh, few albums that have got misspellings in the very title of their work. Odyssey and Oracle uh, by the Zombies comes to mind. And um, Are You Are Missing Winner, which is just mangled beyond belief by The Fall. Not one of The Fall's better albums either, so here we are. There was another one which came to my mind uh, the other day, but I've forgotten it. One thing I should mention just before we go, I'm looking at a... Is there anything more distressing than one's dishwasher breaking down? First world problems, I know. But I'm looking... I spent oh, about an hour and a half this morning, uh, and I'm looking at an absolute sea of, uh, of drying dishes, plates, cups, and cutlery. Didn't get a great deal of help there. That was one of the more... Uh, unglamorous aspects of being at home during the day when other people might be out. You end up doing jobs like that. I digress, but not by much. That was great fun. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that peregrination around uh, a celebration, if you will, of dub music and its influence on the post-punk scene in the late 70s and early 80s. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with more great music for you. See you then. <laughs>